you know, people think they have to back squat to build their lower body because it's what Arnold did. When we know, for most people, it's probably not the best exercise. And research has even shown that you can get similar strength and muscle gains with a move like the Bulgarian split squat. You can get two years with the Bulgarian split squat with just your body weight without having to add weight to it if you know how to properly program. To me, the, the ego of like, I can just use a bodyweight exercise. There's no way I can get big legs. Um, and uh, it's just so funny too, because like I don't barbell bench press anymore. I, I just bench, you know, close to 400 pounds. Um, I don't do any of that anymore. I, I do I do some dumbbell pressing, a lot of push-ups and dips. My chest is actually more developed now than it was when I was pressing those weights. And my legs and my knees feel, my legs are way bigger and my knees feel so much better now. And I don't do any uh, barbell back squatting. It all really does come down to ego. I want to tell you, I'm chatting with a guy today who uh, done a little bit of research on. He's an amazing dude. He's got a great story to tell. I'm chatting with BJ Gador. This is an amazing guy. He was a heavy kid. Uh, he's not a heavy kid. He's a heavy weight now, but uh, he, he had uh, weight issues as a young guy. He's turned all of that around from that time to this time today. Personal trainer, body sculptor, boot camp master extraordinaire, and someone who's helped a lot of people shape their lives physically, emotionally, mentally, and he's given a lot of people their lives too by turning them around. Um, yeah, he's done everything here from build his own boutique, fitness centers. He's worked with uh, the huge magazine Men's Health, did video streaming with them. We're going to hear about that. This is a guy, I, uh, you know, the Superman, and I call this guy Super Shred and Super Turnaround because of, because of what he's done with himself and what he's done for so many people and the amount of work, the volume of work he does uh, to help people achieve their health and fitness goals, which uh, as a consequence helps a lot of people achieve mental stability. So I want to welcome BJ Gadara today here and say, hey, how are you? It's great to make your acquaintance. Thank you, Craig. I probably should get you on the payroll as my hype man. That was no, a really man. Nice no, no, I appreciate what you do because, you know, it, it's it's hard to lose weight. I, I've never had a weight problem per se. I think my, my average weight in college is 173. I think as an adult, it was 180, 84. I got up to 205 and decided I had to lose weight, but I had a long background and knew how to do it. That's not the way it is for most people, is it? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's one of those things like the – the problems you deal with as a kid in a lot of ways prepare you for uh, challenges as an adult where, where a lot of people out there, you know, you think uh, teenagers, college kids, they don't think at all about what they're eating. They, you know, they most people have a good enough metabolism that they can get away with not really knowing anything about nutrition uh, for a while. Right. Probably mid 20s. Uh, it's happening sooner now because people are less active. They're less involved in sports and activities. But, uh, you know. In most cases, like college kids can drink their asses off, eat the buffet style in the calzones and pizza at night, and, uh, you know, really not have that many bad things happen to their body. Um, you know, maybe until about senior year, they, they, they graduate and enter the workforce, and then things start to change. So a lot of people are just not equipped at all. I, I know there's the freshman 15, which is now like the freshman 50. All that really is is the, the kids that, you know, had not the best metabolisms or maybe they were active in high school and, and they don't play a college sport. They're pretty much eating the same way. Uh, they just no longer have the activity to fall back on. So a lot, a lot of cases, that's when that's happening. But so they're not equipped to, to handle, uh, you know, the access to all this delicious food uh, within, you know, five minutes or right within your fridge in your dorm room. And then you, you go into the workforce and, 
it's really not about you anymore. It's about, you know, building a career, taking care of a family. If you're building one of those and all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, mid thirties, uh, early forties, and you're, you can't even recognize yourself because you've slowly gained a pound or two every year from these bad habits. So, uh, it's one of those things Like I didn't have, uh, I guess I'm one of those guys who peaked later in life or maybe hasn't peaked yet working towards that peak, uh, where it, it kind of sucked in high school because I was the fat guy and I didn't know why because I wasn't necessarily eating any worse than anybody else. It just for some reason I had the negative consequences to deal with because of my body type and a host of other factors. But now uh, some of those people that were like, you know, the the it guys or the it girls in high school, you know, they, they're now have no idea what's happening to their body. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a little more equipped now to deal with that. So it, it is a tough situation, man, because uh, it's not just nutrition, it's lifestyle. You know, it's what you prioritize. And and uh, in, in most cases, people only got activity from sport if they got any activity at all. So we almost like we basically have to exercise is like it's fake fitness, right? We have to create this stuff that wasn't really needed in the past because the normal day to day requires almost little to no movement whatsoever. Well, one of the things I want to know is how does Superman peak? You mentioned something about whether or not you've peaked. I don't, I don't know. Once you get to Superman status, you're peaked. You look pretty good. You're, you're, the, you're when people see you, uh, I, I I know straight away you're the kind of guy. Men and women say, well, look, at that that's the kind of health I want to have. That's the way I want to look. So I don't think – I don't know if you can do any better than you're doing in terms of peaking. And in terms of your comment about bad habits in college, you're right. You can get away with it there because your metabolism is running high. You're running around. You're moving. Um, and you can get away with it. But the problem is is that those those – if you didn't change those bad habits at all and just kept doing the same thing once you left college, those bad habits turned to about four or five times – worse because of what you just pointed out. You're in the workforce and priorities change. Yeah. And I think I was just joking with my wife the other day about, you know, why I think college kids can get away with it. Yeah. They're, they're younger. They have, they have, you know, technically better metabolisms, but I just think people are having so much sex in college that that in and of itself is like the workout. <laughs> and, uh, if you really think about co- colleges are basically glorified sex camps where you get a degree at the end. Um, so <laughs> Definitely seems that way. way. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to ask you a question here, and some of the answers you give um, in in your answer, uh, maybe some overlap with what's going to happen here later with some of my questions. But I call this uh, the the Who Are You podcast because I'm interested in people, who they are, how they got from there to here. So let's do another open here with who are you? Tell us who you are. Well, you know, I think I'm a guy who – Grew up in, in generally normal circumstances, like lower middle class. Had a father who came from North Africa. Uh, Tunisia was the country. Uh, immigrated and wanted to make a better life for his family and give opportunities that, you know, for me and my little brother that he could never have had where he came from. So I, I went to a school where I was lucky to go to school in financial that was very uh, prestigious and, and one of the top schools in the state of Wisconsin. And most of the kids that went there were very wealthy. So kind of uh, in a way developed a complex about not being good enough or being underestimated, you know, not in the social circles of the, of the peers I had growing up, but also this desire to want to, you know, prove and make the sacrifices my father made worth it by delivering uh, on his dream, which was, you know, to, to have a better life and be able to pass down 
even better life to the next generation if we decide to go that route. Um, so, you know, I, I think that drives me in, in a big way, man. Like I, I've always had a, a motor. Uh, when I want to do something, I fully commit to it. Laser focused, 100% of everything I have in my body, every cellular, you know, every cell in my body is dedicated towards pursuing that goal. And, and in some cases, forgetting about other things I probably should concern myself with. But, you know, that that's always, uh, I mean, I, I guess if I could describe myself, uh, someone whose motivation comes in a lot of ways from being underestimated, you know, coming from, you know, uh, humble beginnings and wanting to really do big things for, for my family and, and set up, you know, the next generation. So it wasn't as hard as it was for me or for my dad. And, uh, and again, I think the big thing that drives me is uh, a passion just to share fitness. I really love sharing it. Uh, the, the fact that I can make a workout or share an exercise or deliver a nutrition tip that can set someone on a journey for the rest of their life to find, you know, uh, fitness and uh, improve quality of life and movement. It really, it excites me. And uh, at the same time, I'd like to do it as much as I can from a distance because I'm kind of an introverted person. And uh, I had done the boot camps and the personal training. And, you know, ultimately what I found was I became kind of a crutch for people. Uh, they get great results as long as I was 100% what they needed me to be at the time, you know, to lean on. And, and, and anytime my focus had to shift elsewhere, they would, you know, they would not have the the tools or the habits internalized enough to be able to fall back on those instead of me. So uh, what I like to do now is, you know, at thedailybj.com, which is, you know, hashtag not a porn site, to, to contrary to popular belief, um, I like to teach people that it's not a destination, it's a journey. And uh, the lifestyle component is what I'm most interested in. You know, like, I want to have a deep impact with people at this stage of my life. Uh, I, I'd like to impact millions. Uh, I, I've been on platforms where I have, but I'm, I'm not as interested in the super superficial side of things as much anymore where it's like, oh, getting, you know, uh, likes or follows because of the way I look versus, you know, uh, converts uh, to the way I live and, and, and what I teach and what I find to be effective. You used the term journey there, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about a journey to let the audience realize how well you understand what the journey is in this case. So you were a, you were a heavy kid. You were damn near 300 pounds and 44 size pants as a teenager. Is that right? Yeah, it got pretty bad uh, at one point. I mean, there was a period of time from my sophomore, uh, actually year and a half period where I gained about a hundred pounds in high school. I just kind of got hit by the lifting bug. And uh, I was a lineman, so I was just trying to get as big and strong as possible. And I just found the more weight I put on, the stronger I was getting. There wasn't as much of an emphasis on, you know, conditioning and stuff like that. So I found myself uh, on a cruise for the year 2000 with my family on a winter break. Right before, a, you know, a Millennium Cruise and before you board the ship, you take a boarding photo. And uh, coming back from that cruise, uh, well, First of all, during the cruise itself, I was miserable. Like I kind of maxed out in terms of like you had mentioned size 44 pants, triple XL shirts. I was about 275. My knees were in such pain. I was dealing with a lot of tendonitis. I already had one knee surgery under my belt at that time. And everybody's enjoying, we're in the Caribbean. Everybody's enjoying the sun and the music. And I'm sitting on a, you know, a, a beach chair with, you know, fully clothed, isn't too embarrassed to take my 
clothes off and, and show my body. And I used to lie to people about being allergic to chlorine so that when I was at a pool party, you know, that's why I wasn't swimming or, uh, or, or shirtless like everybody else. So I came back from that cruise. I saw that, that boarding photo and just what I saw in myself, like this guy that couldn't even look in the camera, was looking down, was developing like a third and fourth chin, you know, just the misery I saw in myself at the time of being 17 years old. And uh, I just was one of those moments, man, like uh, it was, it was, a, it was a definitely a rock bottom for me at that time where it was like, if I don't make these changes now, it's, it's going to get <laughs> even worse, even though that, that wasn't even fathomable at the time. Things were pretty bad as it was. And, and I decided to do it. And, you know, really, when I was sharing a lot of tips for 2018, at the time we're recording this, it's a new year and people are always interested in fitness, kind of brought it back to the top 10 transformation tips. And, and a couple big ones for me really were just like getting rid of getting rid of all the liquid calories. You know, that was really a disaster for me. It was like seven sodas a day, a tall glass of milk and juice with each meal. And, uh, Cutting that out and cutting out bread, I lost 50 pounds. So it's the low-hanging fruit that people want to overlook. They want to get into the nitty-gritty and the weeds with supplementation and workout nutrition and you know drop sets. And when, when there's all these like simple things we can do that can transform our lives, and then we can start talking about the minutia after you get rid of the, the basics. You know, you said something really important there too. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Supplements are literally that. They, they supplement what you do. If the primary thing you do is not uh, uh, eating right and exercising well, no amount of supplements are going to take the place of that. Wouldn't you agree? No, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, like you mentioned, it's, it's they're meant to address dietary deficiencies. You know, people tend to not get enough protein, enough essential fats, you know, missing vitamins and minerals in their diets. And you know, that's first and foremost what, what type of supplementation you should be looking at. You know, and then obviously the more advanced you get, you know, we can talk about essential amino acids and, and different things like that and creeds and whatever. But, you know, these are – even the most advanced athletes will tell you, you know, you're chasing the last piece of the puzzle at that point anyway. You know, it's a foundation of quality sleep every night, you know, a diet of protein and produce 80 to 90 percent of the time, most likely – cycling your carbohydrate and calorie intake based on activity level. I mean, there's all these things that you have to lock in first before looking at that. And it's much like, uh, you know, it's so funny too, like intermittent fasting was like a big topic 10 years ago. And now it's like, it's every other question I get is about my, what do I think about intermittent fasting? And so I'm about to come up with an infographic uh, just because I, I don't want to answer it anymore. I'm getting so sick of it. It's like a broken <laughs> record. But it's like, you've got these people that aren't sleeping enough each night, you know, asking me about the benefits of intermittent fasting. When you get the benefits, most of the benefits of fasting while you sleep. So if you don't sleep seven to nine hours, you don't have the right to ask me about my thoughts on intermittent fasting. You know, so it's these types of things where everybody wants to, or I post a meal and it's like, oh, you do keto. Oh, you do paleo. Oh, then I post an intense workout. It's like, oh, is that CrossFit? It's like the human mind has such a desire to categorize and box things that, you know, and it does so to actually help process information better, but in reality, it just confuses the fuck out of everybody. And uh, so I, I hate aligning myself with any particular, you know, uh, movement or trend because ultimately those things come and go and what's old is new uh, and what's new is old and it, it, the pendulum keeps swinging back and forth. 
But, you know, for the people that uh, never stop, you know, we're, we're implementing the same habits consistently day in, day out. And that's where the long-term gains come. So it's tough, too, because you don't want to be elitist or dismissive of questions. Because obviously, if everybody's asking it, you know, it's a, it's a common question. So it needs to be addressed. But it's it just at some point, you, you get to, to the level where it's like, do we have to, are we still talking about this? You know, and is it, do you really think this is the magical unicorn that is going to change your body and your life? And unfortunately, uh, so many people are, are, are still hooked into that. It's going to take a lot of, you know, but, but here. Not uh, that was a real Debbie Downer. Uh, no, it's a good. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good. You're making good points. Well, I mean, let's look at the positive side. the The level of idiocy is at a much lower rate than it was ten years ago, right? So the, we've really done a good job. The amount of uh, good trainers that are out there, and, and as we've elevated as an industry, you know, uh, the baseline level of IQ of fitness is way higher than it was ten years ago. That, that's there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, people are much more thirsty for the information now than they ever were. Um, and, and, you know, they're actually asking questions like, what do you think about intermittent fasting? Like, technically, that that's an advanced topic. So, you know, that, that's one of the most commonly asked questions versus, like, how many sets do I do? You know, uh, we're, we're making progress. But, again, because of the progress comes, you know, paralysis by analysis and the minutia and getting lost in the weeds, and we forget about, the basic movements and the basic nutrition principles and, and the basic supplements you should be looking at before, you know, the, uh, you know, the stuff that you can find at GNC designed to explode your veins. <laughs> and so it's just, it's just fascinating, man. The other thing you said too, that I really liked a lot is what's old is new. What's new is old. And the reality is what doesn't change is fundamental hard work. The, the way to get where you're trying to go is you sim- you simply have to do the work. You got to do the work and you got to do the work consistently. That's the thing. Like, People are looking for the best program, but, you know, people underestimate the psychology behind it. If someone is doing, quote, unquote, an inferior program that they enjoy, that they're complying with, that they're consistent with, they will outperform the best program in the world for four weeks. So, you know, these are things that uh, I think a lot of people don't realize. Uh, I have not missed a workout since I was 14 years old. You know, I've not missed a week of training since I was 14 years old. And I have made more mistakes than could possibly be be counted along the way. But the consistency of just keep showing up is what will forever differentiate me from other people. It's not going to be the genetics. It's not going to be the brain size. It's not going to be any of that. It's just going to be the fact that I'm I'm just, I'm here every day. I'm not going anywhere. And I say this to people, whether it's fitness, business, whatever. If you keep showing up, eventually you are the last person left in the room. The opportunities will come to you. The success you're looking for within reason will be available to you. It's just a matter of are you willing to keep showing up day in and day out, and uh, very few people are. It's very, very hard to stick with it because people think they're going to get results quickly. And, uh, you know, New Year's come, they join a gym, they get a trainer, they spend about three weeks, four weeks working at it, and they get tired of it because it's hard work. And that's why uh, I said, you know, what's old is new, what's new is old. But what, what matters the most is uh, uh, you got to do the work. And as you pointed out, of course, consistency too. And people get tired of that and they give up. Yeah, man. And, and you know, we used to call this, and we still do, we call it the Roman candle effect. You know, Roman candle it is beautiful and glorious, but for a very short period of time. And 
we, we, every year, you know, or every time you get a new person in your boot camp or in your program, or, you know, we're doing something right now called the post holiday shred, a 12 week program for the new year. You know, you're going to get some people so excited because they've been so gluttonous during the holidays that, you know, they, they're, they're so motivated to just overcome all the damage, but they are, they, they have to change so much so fast that that level of change and excitement is just not sustainable. You know, so uh, some people are able to carry it through for sure. But, you know, we, we got pretty good at one point, especially when we used to train people and, and clients and boot camps and stuff like that to identify, like, this, the person that was super excited week one, we're like, oh, no, oh, no, we're, poor Johnny's not going to be here in three weeks, you know, because uh, they're just on too much of an emotional high and low with it. And, and they're, they're looking at it as it's only four weeks. I just got to get through this. And I'm going to give it everything I have and I'm going to throw all of my resources into it. And then I'm going to let other things in my life, uh, be neglected so I can just do this for four weeks. And then when I'm done with it and I get the results, I'll just go back to exactly the way I was before. And then it's, it's, it's the next year and they're doing it again. So, you know, it's, I like the slow, the slow cooked gains, the slow burn, you know, the, the steady, consistent, you know, maybe it's a change this week and another change on top of that the following week. And, and it's not allowing yourself to be put in a, a situation. This, again, I was mentioned earlier on when we were talking. It's like, you know, I'm trying to – I don't know where, where my peak is. I, I Hopefully it's 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 far away. I want to keep getting better every day, every month, every year. And, you know, one of the things I'm still working on, you know, and I'm 35, and, and I've been dealing with, with issues with my weights and food my whole life. It is trying like this year. One of my goals is to take away the anxiety around foods that are are, are definitely not bad for me. Um, you know, for example, like when you are fat and you identify that your problem is carbohydrate, you start to villainize, vilify things like villainize, vilify things like fruit. And I'm like, you know, I, I, this is ridiculous. I'm 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 not having the fruit. So I can have the fries on Friday. Not that it's, you know, the, the flexibility is, is great. I mean, I'm, I'm all about a flexible lifestyle and there's so many ways you can set up a nutrition plan. And we, we talk about the importance of changing your, you know, nutrition, uh, you know, maybe not as frequently as your workouts, but frequently enough so your body doesn't adapt to any one thing, right? You got to do that. But same time, when, when you're creating this dietary di- displacement and you're vilifying the really good things, especially to make room for things that are inferior, um, and then, you know, just thinking and stressing about the fact that there's like a, a piece of pineapple on your plate when you're not supposed to have, you know, it's, it's a lower carbohydrate day. It's, it's that stuff that I'm really, I'm still working on. Like I've been in this for a long time and I'm still working on that. So, you know, you got to give yourself a break. This stuff takes time. Uh, it can take decades to really figure out what works for you. You just got to be super patient with it. And again, what I'm trying to create, I think, for the members of my site is just, Let's take the anxiety out of it. Let's have some fun with it. And, uh, I mean, who knows how much better I'd be today if I hadn't stressed out about the small details as much, you know, like, or, you know, I think anxiety in general, people don't understand how much it adds to overall stress level, how it affects your ability to recover from your workouts, how it affects your ability to burn fat and build muscle. And, uh, you know, oftentimes I've had the best results and most fun when it just, it's not my life. It's just part of my life. And I, I've got other focuses uh, in the mix. Well, you make some unbelievably good points there. Um, 
the Roman candle effect I hadn't heard before, and it's it's apropos. It fits perfectly. I totally relate to it. I get it. And whether you're an athlete training on a, a particular level, aiming at a certain thing that's meaningful to you, or coming in after New Year's to start working out, if you go too fast, too hard, too soon, there's an inverse relationship. You <clears throat> you get nothing out of it, and you burn out too quick, and you end up quitting. Um, or, or, or for the athlete, they end up having to kind of step back a bit and start over again because you've got to get a base in there before you can really work hard. So I agree with you. You've got to aim for having fun, at least at first, and, and manage your way into a place where you get a good base, good conditioning, and have fun, do the work. And then if you want to lever up and, and work hard, once you have a base in there, you can handle that and, and you can do it. But another thing um, I want to point out here is you said – something I think is very interesting. You're, you're claiming not to have the genetics, which I think is another reason why you're the guy people need to be listening to and working with, because if you can get from 275 without the genetics to help you get there down to where are you now? What's your uh, weight right now and what's your body mass ratio? I don't have a scale. Uh, I don't do any body fat testing. I've always gone off of uh, you know the mirror, how clothes fit for the most part. And, and I, because I used to do some you know amateur bodybuilding stuff, I can pretty much eyeball where I'm at for the most part. Um, so, but, but, you know, I'm six two, about two twenty five. Uh, I like to try to keep my body fat, you know, at around 10% or lower, you know, uh, if I'm eyeballing it again, I, I haven't had it tested in a long time. Um, it's been like a decade since I had it tested. Last time I had a test, I was like 6% for a bodybuilding show. And then I gained 35 pounds in five days. So, <laughs> yep. you know, so it's one of those things like, it relates to what we talked about previously, too, in terms of, you know, uh, people are a slave to the scale. And that is the metric with which not only they, they judge the success of their fitness program, but their, their their day. Like a good number in the scale, good day. A bad number, bad day. Like investing that much into a number. Um, how much added stress to your life will that provide? And, and potentially how many years might it take off your life? You know, th- those those small stresses that, that, uh, you know, stress management has been my weakest thing. I, I, I'm very, uh, irritable, moody, affected. Like I'll get 10 positive comments and then one negative and I'm going to look at the negative instead of the 10 positive. And that's always been a problem for me. But, you know, so you got to look at all that. And I think people are, are, for some reason, we're so afraid. Because, you know, you go online and you follow these social media online marketing gurus who are like, you know, I'm the man or I'm the woman because I, I, I work on Christmas Day because I can, you know, um, and that, you know, more is better and all this stuff. And we're afraid to, you know, people make a to-do list. It's got to be like 20 things. We're afraid to like put three important things down on a piece of paper and just accomplish that for the day. And then when we finish it, it maybe has some extra time. We have to do something else. That, that just because if we don't, then we're losers. Where in reality, well, you got what you need to get done that day. And if you got three things that are important to you done daily for the whole year, nearly a thousand things that will better your life, your business, your fitness. And then you've got uh, people trying for like maybe a week with a planner, writing 10 things down a day. They're only getting to like probably half of it. And every day is a failure because of the mindset they're setting themselves up with that, you know, they, they have to keep running on, on all cylinders. It's the same way with fitness too, right? Like we're afraid to make, uh, you know, slow progress. It's, it's almost like worse than getting fatter, like building three to five mu- pounds of muscle over the course of a year 
is somehow like that would be a bad program to most people. In reality, that's like, well, that's, that's pretty solid. Those are pretty good results. Like, uh, so it's the mindset component of this is amazing. And I think a lot of it is because, you know, people are marketed short term programs. And in order to do well in a short term program, the stresses have to be off the charts. Right. Like, I mean, you, you've got to it's got to be a lot of high intensity training and then it's got to be a, a lower car- calorie carbohydrate diet in most cases. And you'll get amazing results in four to 12 weeks. And then at the end of it, you're left with a metabolism uh, that is burnt out. You're left without the strategies to know how to reincorporate the foods you've been depriving yourself of. And uh, it's a real grind, man. Like, if anything, I try to convince people, let's just sacrifice some results in the short term so I can keep you doing this for longer. That's a tough sell. I mean, that's a tough sell. Like, I made a, a, a joke post once uh, called the 10 year transformer. And, and, and the, you know, like it was like a fake product and it was, you know, like uh, barely notice, noticeable results <laughs> on a monthly basis. You know, it's just all these things. Like if you talk to anybody who's been lean for a long period of time, you know, they just have been doing it for so long and they, they own all the, the results that they've gotten to this point and, and, and their body is set up in a way that they can actually now make mistakes and not, it won't be affected in a way that, Someone who loses 20 pounds really fast uh, has no ability at this point. Like you've got to maintain that for four to six plus months to even have a chance uh, at allowing your body to kind of see it as a new set point. So these tra- these transient results and uh, when there's no foundation with anything that you do, you know, uh, you, you have absolutely nothing to fall back on. And that comes with building muscle, burning fat, improving your cardiovascular conditioning, uh, building a business relationships, all of that. It's it just uh, the foundation of it and the consistency of it is is a differentiator. And again, I, I listen to some of these self-help people too. I, I try to try to stay, you know, uh, current with what's going on out there, but it just, sometimes it just drives me crazy to hear someone, uh, you know, pushing people to, to find ways to do more and more when in reality, uh, you know, you can just be a lot smarter with how you work and be more effective with what you're doing. And isn't that the point of getting smarter so you don't have to work as hard and you don't have to be like doing what you did in your twenties, uh, you know, in your forties, cause you, you, you've earned the rights, you know, but that's, I think we've lost that. Well, I, I really love that phrase, slow progress. I've never thought of it that way before. I, I, I think it's always sort of been just built into my way of thinking because as a former athlete, we know we have to get a base. We have to get conditioned before we can get up on it and go to work. But that makes a whole bunch of sense. And I think what people are missing here is they're hearing the slow, but they're not hearing the progress. There is progress, even though it's slow. But slow is the only way, especially once you get past about 25 years of age for the reasons that you brought up earlier here. Other things take precedent. They come into your life. You go to work, and you have kids, and you have a family, and you can't do it fast anymore. So I love that phrase, slow progress. That's a real good one. Well, you know, and I, I had a, I, on my podcast uh, last week, I had a guy named Bill Hartman, who's one of the top physical therapists and strength and conditioning minds out there. I mean, I highly recommend following his work, but you know, they have a thing at, at they're one of the top gyms in the country called IFAST in Indianapolis. And they have this like 10% rule with regards to overload that, you know, like for example, if, if an athlete came in and they squatted previously 250 and uh, they were feeling great that day and they got to 275 and they crushed it, even though they know they could take that athlete probably up to 290, 300, and probably still get it. They shut them, shut that athlete down then because 
even though you can, they know he can perform it. They don't know yet if he can recover from it. You know, that's the thing. Like, so when people um, do what they get caught up in doing is like they're, they're bad weekend, ate like shit, drank their asses off. It's Monday. I'm going to cleanse the stigmas of my recent dishonors. Right. And they crush it, you know, two hour marathon workout and they're sore the rest of the week and they can't train. So just because you can do it on that day doesn't mean that your body can recover from it. So that's why the gains have to be slow. You don't know yet what 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 that workout is going to do for you tomorrow or how it's going to affect the rest of that week. And, uh, and, and if you're overloading too soon and too fast, it's just not sustainable uh, because we, we know this. Like the joints and connective tissues can't accommodate as quickly as muscles do. And because of that, that's why injuries can happen. And in much of the case, the same way. It's like the 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 Wall Street guy that's trying to make a, a name for himself that's, you know, burning the midnight oil and, and drinking eight cups of coffee a day. And you know, maybe he's got three months in and before a complete nervous breakdown. And then the guy who is just doing more consistent work and may and getting the sleep and, you know, being smarter with his work is not going to have to go to a hospital, you know, to – uh, to get an IV and, and see a psychologist because they, they've just they've done it at a, at a more sustainable pace. So it's it's that piece that uh, I don't know how we do it, but uh, you know it's a big mission of mine in helping people be okay with with just good slow gains. Just let's be okay with it. Uh, it I mean, it's it's surely better than maintaining, and it's way better than than losing or well, not doing anything. And another really good point you're making here too, uh, certainly implied if not if not really stated here, is that if you don't get good recovery, you don't feel well, uh, you don't feel good enough, you may go to your next workout, you may continue the routine, but you're more likely to get injured. But more often than not, when you don't recover well enough, you just skip the next couple of workouts, so there goes your consistency. Yeah, you lost frequency. I mean, and ultimately, right, the the, the magic sauce, the secret sauce is finding the right blend of frequency, intensity, and volume that works for your body, your lifestyle. And uh, that that is a journey. But uh, part of that journey, though, is being okay with saying, uh, you know, you're, you're 30, 40 minutes. By the way, and this is like something I'm finding to become almost like a maxim at this point. There is nothing beneficial after about 40 minutes of intensive training. I find 30 to 40 minutes to be a sweet spot. I'm not including, you know, warm up, cool down, that type of stuff, but actual training. Um, and, and if I'm having a good day, you know, I might be at that 40 minute mark where like I, I could do more, but like the courage and the humility to shut yourself down at that point, knowing that you've got more to do. And that this, this was enough. I gave, you know, stimulate, don't annihilate. I gave all I needed today to get better on, on a consistent basis. It's not going to impact my ability to sleep or get ready for the next workout or be so like, wound up that I'm, I'm an asshole at home, you know, so that that's really a lot of it comes, I mean, it's, it all comes down to ego too, right? It's, it's, you know, people think they have to back squat to build their lower body because it's what Arnold did. When we know for most people, it's probably not the best exercise and research has even shown that you can get similar strength and muscle gains with a move like the Bulgarian split squat where you elevate your back foot onto a box bench chair ottoman and in a split stance, almost like a static lunge with your back foot elevated, um, with very minimal spinal loading, the ability to cor- correct imbalances between sides of your body, improve mobility at the same time. And the worst thing that can happen is you, you, if you can't get back up, you can come right to a knee. 
you can get two years with the Bulgarian split squat with just your body weight without having to add weight to it if you know how to properly program with things like tempo and range of motion. And, you know, so to me, the, the ego of like, I can just use a body weight exercise. There's no way I can get big legs. Um, and uh, it's just so funny, too, because like I don't barbell bench press anymore. I, I used to bench, you know, close to 400 pounds. Um, I don't do any of that anymore. I, I do I do some dumbbell pressing, a lot of push-ups and dips. And my chest is actually more developed now than it was when I was pressing those weights. And my legs and my knees feel – my legs are way bigger and my knees feel so much better now. And I don't do any uh, barbell back squatting. And any, if I do any bilateral squatting, which means squatting on two legs, it's usually with, you know, uh, front-loaded with, you know, goblet squat or – pair of dumbbells or kettlebells um and i I rather load myself up more with a single leg movement because you know for me personally i just i find better gains with it so it it, it all really does come down to ego it's you know people uh that whole you know no pain no gain uh, and and there is there is something you got to be in the pain zone a little bit uh but it's knowing the the perfect dose of that and, and again having the courage and humility to to stop before you go you know, beyond where, where now it's not, it's not just the pain zone. It's the, you know, uh, that next zone where, you know, it's the abyss where it's, you enter the cycle of just pain and, and suffering. And uh, so, so I think this comes a lot down to the, at least for, speak from as an American, it, it's that American mindset of like the badge of honors we give to people are like when they can suffer the most. You know, I completed the marathon. Uh, I, I pulled an all-nighter. You know, I, I haven't seen my family in a month because I'm working on this project. So, you know, we're in reality, like, maybe what we should be honoring is the ability to, to make progress with as little suffering as possible. Like, uh, people have the mindset of subtracting versus adding. You know, how much, how many carbs can we put in your diet without, you know, you gaining fat? That should be the goal versus how many can we do, can we take out, you know? So the, uh, it's, it's, it's a mentality that you have to switch. And, and again, it transcends fitness. I mean, this is just a way to kind of approach life in general that I think a lot of us struggle with. And I think to help clear that issue up a little bit, um, having been in that f- frame of thinking necessarily. So as someone once chasing, uh, trying to chase an Olympic team or two, you, you have to have that thinking. There's no way around it. If you're chasing, the podium. There just isn't. You have to not only be in a particular level of, of torture and pain, but you have to be saying to yourself, damn, you know, so-and-so in Texas, so-and-so in Florida, someone in California, Washington, whatever, is training harder than me. And wherever you are at that particular level of athlete, you've got to find a new level of pain and torture. And you know what? It's designed and dedicated only really to that crowd. They don't have a choice. They, they simply have to keep pressing the upper limits. And we're talking about about, about one-tenth of one percent of all people out there. So I completely agree with you. It's foolish. It makes no sense. Going back to your term, slow progress. I love that. It just makes complete sense here because it's not supposed to be torturous. It's not supposed to be painful. It's not supposed to be no pain, no gain. You're not supposed to be on your back on the ground dying. You're supposed to have fun on your way getting to where it is you want to go with all the other things that are happening in your life. And one of your sayings that I really like a lot, um, just heard this recently is, and you made, you said something that made me think of it right now when you said you don't do bench press anymore and you do a lot of pushups and stuff like that. I like body weight work too. Um, and you have this great saying, your body is your barbell. How did you come up with that? Well, you know, to touch on one thing you pointed out as well, that, that is like 
So I, I was an athlete as well. I played football in college and all of the injuries I was dealing with, like I had four knee surgeries by the time I was 22. I dealt with tendonitis in both knees for a decade. I mean, I was in constant pain. I, I mean, if I went through the list of injuries on my body, it's like by the time I was 22, it was off the charts. And I, I have not, knock on wood, had any injuries since that time frame because the, the big thing that happened was I no longer had the self-imposed deadline. What happens when you give yourself 12 weeks to accomplish something big? You do whatever it takes at the expense of, of, of the long term, right? So when, when I, uh, senior in college, when I, I tore up my knee for the fourth time in preseason, got it, got surgery on it. 12 days later, I was back on the field, uh, when I, I really should have been shut down the whole season and I, and I, I paid the price, like the, the damage that's been done in both of those knees, uh, has been done and I, it's been an over, you know, over a decade process of rehabilitating and, and, and fortifying and making the right decisions to prolong the, you know, get as much longevity as I, as I could. And again, like when we're talking an athlete, a high end professional athlete or, you know, elite athlete, they, they, at least they're honest with themselves. They know they are trading in the short term quality of movements, quality of life in most cases, right? An NFL player knows that they're not going to be feeling great in their 40s and 50s. Well, how about this? Quick interjection. How about this? The average lifespan is three and a half years. Just, you know, people see the quarterbacks going for 15 years, but the average lifespan is three and a half years. It's short, right? I mean, but they're making a lot of money in a short period of time. And, and, and that's why, like, it's crazy to me when, like, at least they're making a lot of money, right? Like, they're, they're set for life if they don't blow the but money. But to your point, to your point, it's true. They're making a lot of money. But to your point, it's not three and a half years because they're making a lot of money and they think, oh, gee, I think I'll retire now. I've made a lot of money. They're retiring largely because they're linemen, they're, they're defensive line, they're offensive line, and they're injured and they're breaking down. Exactly. And so, so what really, like, hurts my heart, because, again, I, I came up from, with a powerlifting background that, you know, that's – uh, my football coach was a power lifter. He taught us the power lifts, you know, so that was my background. We never did any bodyweight stuff. It was all barbell stuff and, uh, you know, chasing load. And so to me, like nothing is more tragic than, you know, you see like there's no money in powerlifting, but you see these guys that are literally grinding through every joint cycle they have to move a certain amount of weight. Um, and they, they love it. And I honor that, but like that no one really cares about, like <laughs> they like, they get nothing from it um, beyond the passion for it. But then the rest of their life, you know, they get their hips and knees replaced by the time they're 40. Their shoulders are frozen. So, you know, again, like t to me, the the biggest thing you have to be, you have to watch out for. You just got to be honest with yourself. Like the thing, a lot of these power lifters, I'm friends with some of these guys. They know what they're, what they're giving up, you know, but, but they love it. So just be honest with yourself. What scares me is someone who doesn't really want to be a power lifter, uh, you know, training like a power lifter, breaking themselves down and then hating fitness because all they know is pain. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a real important thing that people have to look at. And again, that's why, like for me, I work on timelines. I, I have goals, but, I, you know, if I don't accomplish it in 12 weeks, I'm not going to, you know, kick my own ass over it because, uh, you know, what, what's that going to do? Uh, you, you don't know how long your body is going to take to achieve a goal, especially when there's all these variables like stress, sleep, you know, things uh, that unexpected things come up in your life. Uh, so when you take that pressure off, it's just amazing how sometimes like you can start seeing the best results of your life. And, and also the less pain you have, the more excited you are about your workouts, the less stress, 
Um, so, you know, again, th- that's a, a big thing that, you know, a lot of it is personality based too. Like I'm a competitive person. The reason I train alone is because when I start training with someone else, or at least I did in the past, I start doing things that aren't the best for me uh, because I'm trying to compete with that individual. So I'm, I'm a very man in the mirror type of person when it comes to training. I, I, I never train with, with anybody. I like to train at home as often as possible for there's no distractions. It's about getting myself better, not about comparing myself to other people. And uh, so I think the comparison side and, and then these ridiculous timelines we put in ourselves, again, like we're, I'm not talking about elite athletes. They know what's involved. Uh, you know, they, 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 they are in most cases, especially in season, you know, constantly dealing with nagging aches and pains, but that's part of, that's part of the job. Um, and you're trying to mitigate that as best you can, but it just scares me when I see other people that don't have to impose that suffering on themselves. It's like there, there really is an easier way. It, it's unnecessary. The point, the point is it's, it's completely way off to the other side of the fitness spectrum. It, it's inappropriate and doesn't apply. Um, and uh, just for clarity here too, by the way, I, I loosely used the term average lifespan of a football player. I use that as a loose term for meaning the average professional career, just so people don't think that they die in three and a half years. Uh, I'm talking about their careers, but um, let me move on here for a second. You, um, you have an interesting juxtaposition here. You got a degree uh, from a great college in economics and sociology and shifted over into fitness. If I look at the degrees that you were looking at, I think in terms of uh, a brain, a guy who's who's really uh, applying his cerebral matter to his academics and maybe going to go off into statistics or economics, something like that. Maybe the study of people more interesting than than just about anything there is out there anyway, because people are amazing. Uh, but you aimed toward fitness. What? Just tell me a little bit about how it all started academically and how the shift happened into fitness. Well, I was the first person in my family to go to college, and that was all that was pushed on me. It's like, just just get to the best college you can. And uh, I also wanted to play football in college, and football allowed me with my academics to go to that type of school that I did. Uh, but once I got there, I had no idea what was next. My parents had never been in that situation before, so they didn't have any advice for me. So I was actually pretty lost in college. I mean, I, I just did what I thought maybe I like marketing or business, and, and most of my teammates uh, were in either an economic or a law track or medical track. And I was like, oh, I'll just do business, economics, whatever. Hated it. The sociology degree was just accidental because I just happened to take enough sociology classes <laughs> that I that I earned a, a major in it. Uh, but, you know, I, I was lost. And, and after my senior year where, you know, the culmination of all the injuries and uh, – happened and my football career was done, you know, uh, I kind of asked myself, like, you know, what do I want to do next? And it was a depressing time, a similar rock bottom to the one I had in high school when I kind of maxed out my weight. Because, again, like my identity was as a football player and that was now gone. But it was also the first time in my life now where I didn't have any self-imposed deadlines. I didn't have to move a certain amount of weight or, or compete with anybody else. And it was just about like maybe let's see how lean I can get. I want to see if I can actually get abs. And uh, I didn't have to be this heavy lineman anymore. So um, I, I got I got lean and uh, and and I uh, was reading and learning everything I could about it. And people started coming up to me and asking for programs, students and teachers. So I started designing programs, got maxed out with the number of people that I was giving free programs to. I had to start charging. And then I sold my first hundred dollar program. And I was like, you know, I think this is what I want to do. 
because uh, I know I didn't want to go to Wall Street or do those types of things. It just wasn't in my DNA. Uh, I'm kind of a lone wolf. I don't like the only job I've ever had uh, besides like working security <laughs> at concerts or parties when I was in college uh, was or, you know, landscaping in high school, stuff like that. But like only true job I ever had was the two years I was a fitness director at Men's Health. But I, I've been on my own my entire career just because that's how I operate. And um, I saw through fitness the ability to, you know, build my own business and do things the way I wanted to do. And uh, I immediately got into personal training after I graduated college. You've got a uh, another great line I like and uh, to quote, and I love it because it implies a big moment in anybody's life when they when they have a most empowering thing that they've ever done, whatever that is. And in your case, it was changing your body, which you said was the single most empowering thing you've ever done. Is that so? I mean, it is so because you said it, but explain that. Well, you know, it changed the entire course of my life. I mean, I, I had the unique honor of being on the cover of Men's Health Magazine for the January 2017 issue. And it was a goal I had had for myself as a teenager reading that magazine that like, and it's a goal I never shared with anyone because, you know, if, if I would have shared that goal with people at the time, I would have been laughed out of the room. But, you know, I, I wanted to look, look, like, uh, look like those guys and, uh, you know, and be considered worthy of being on the cover of that magazine. And it took me 17 years to accomplish that goal. And so when it finally happened, you know, I, I thought I was going to be like thrilled about it. I was actually kind of uh, I had mixed feelings about it because. I looked at on the cover, uh, you know, I'm shirtless, I'm on the beach, you know, pretty shredded. And they showed my original before picture, you know, not the original, there's a couple, but it was one of them where like, (laughs) not a good look. And I looked at that guy and I'm like, what would have happened if I hadn't made those changes? It's actually very depressing to think about that. Like, what if I had not changed my diet and took my health seriously at that time? I would not have been able to go to the college I went to. I would not have been able to meet my wife at the college I went to. The whole course of my life would be different. But that's the same person on the cover. Same genetics. Same person. The way that people treated the person in that before picture is very different than the way that that person on the cover is treated. But it's the same person. Though you could look at that before photo and say that person's lazy. You know, he's a piece of shit. He's disgusting. And uh, in reality, you know, I still carried that those same scars and everything else that came from being overweight um, as what some would consider a lean individual right now. I still don't like taking my shirt off, even though, like, honest to God, there, there's enough shirtless photos for, to me to go around for a couple millennia at this point. Um, I, it's part of the gig, I think, in a lot of ways. It's what people expect to see to get, you know, credibility and stuff like that. But I still hate doing it. Um, I'm trying to do it less and less uh, these days because it's just, you know, it's something I'll never be comfortable with. Um, but that, that's what's fascinating to me, man. Like, we do have to judge a book by its cover in a lot of ways. Like, if you don't have the information on someone, you don't have the ability to fully download that person's background. That's just what the human brain does, right or wrong. I mean, it, it is what it is. But the fact that that person could have gone in the completely opposite direction, but I was lucky enough that I made the changes that have set up this course of life for me that, you know, uh, on outside looking in is a decent result uh, to what a lot of people in this space would want to do. Um, It just really has to make you take a step back and just think about like the people you, you might interact on a day-to-day basis and 
you know, I was lucky to have a couple coaches along the way that pushed me in the right direction and enough of a uh, self-belief that I could do it myself. And, and uh, not a lot of people have, have, have been lucky to have that. So I, I guess it's a, it's a long way of saying that what fascinates me about fitness is that th- those two pictures, like just think about the circumstances of those two photos and the opportunities that come to that person or that person when they are genetically the same. Fitness did that for me. So uh, I, I know what it can do. I know it can completely change the trajectory of someone's life. It can transcend every aspect of your daily life. Uh, and not that it can fix all your problems, right? Because like I said, I still deal with the insecurities, uh, that I, you know, as an overweight guy, and I still feel in a lot of ways, like an overweight guy. And I make a joke, my wife and I joke a lot because it's like Europeans, man, like they just don't give a fuck. These guys are like 55 years old, 50 pounds overweight, and they're wearing speedos and just hanging out, having fun. I'm like, I wish I could feel like that. Like, it doesn't give a shit, you know? Um, and, uh, but, you know, most cases, though, they were actually lean when they were younger. So, uh, in some ways, it's a blessing to be lean when you're younger, because even when you get overweight, you still think you look good. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know these people, like, for some reason, they didn't, they didn't get the memo that they gained 50 pounds. Um, it's totally true. But they're going to, they're going to gain it at some point, And then, if you were overweight when you were younger, at least you learn how to overcome these strategies so that when you're an adult, you know, you don't have to deal with the stuff as much, but then you always carry around being fat with you. So I don't know what's better at this point, man. I'll tell you what. Well, I'll tell you, um, backing up just a little bit, you know, getting on the cover of Men's Health magazine, which is no small thing. That's a big magazine. I respect it. The great, they have really well-written stuff in there. It's worth reading. Um, that's a perfect example of uh, slow progress. You just gave you know, your own perfect example that you live what you preach. And the other thing, you were talking about your insecurities, and that backs up to why it is that you can hear 10 great things about yourself, but all you have to do is hear one thing that you don't like, and you're back in the gym and you're throwing it down. Yeah, you know, it is, I'm not, it's one of those things, like, I'm optimistic in a lot of ways because I know that if I put my mind to something that most likely I'll be able to get pretty close to achieving that. Um, I've, I've demonstrated that over the course of my life. If it's important to me and I prioritize it, I, I can get good enough at it that, um, you know, I, I can make a difference. But I, I'm also extremely uh, critical and, and, and I, I, I'm afraid of, of being complacent as much as possible. And I've gotten better at it though. Like I think my wife has had a huge impact on me because I, I'm, I was very imbalanced early on in my career with just obsessing about making a lot of money and, you know, again, like achieving what I was meant to achieve with all the sacrifice, you know, my, my father made and all that stuff. And, and then losing focus of what, what is most important, which is like, this is meant to create the lifestyle, you know, that, allows you to do what you want and maybe take some time off and, and have fun. And so I'm trying to get better. And I will tell you that the couple of years I spent as fitness director for men's health and all the videos I did and all the negative comments I would get with every video really did, did thicken my skin um, and, and get more comfortable with the fact that, you know, uh, it, it's part of, part of the job. And, and if I have to be, you know, uh, if I've got to take someone's, stress or whatever for that day as an insult to help them get through that day. I, I can deal with that. 
because uh, ultimately what I'm sharing now is going to impact some people in a big way. So it's, it's really like people will say, Oh, just focus on the positive. It's like, that's the worst. I mean, I talk about the shittiest advice you can give someone. It's like, <laughs> it's like telling, it's like telling a fat kid that this is actually a coach at one point said this to me when I like, you're fat, start running. It's like, go run, lose the weight. It's like, what, what, what am I going to do with that? Do you think, do you think that's going to help a fat kid lose weight? Tell him to go run and lose weight? No, no, it's good. It's, it's a very, those are very strong points there that, uh, that, uh, you, you can't necessarily act out or, or change yourself or, or make the changes you need to change just because someone shows up and gives you a, a flat linear, uh, routine of what to do. It doesn't work. People need guidance. They need direction. They need help. And um, I think you were talking also about uh, the negative, the negative stuff that would come from what you were doing with the online streaming stuff with uh, Men's Health. We're going to get to that in just a little bit here. But I say that if you're not doing something uh, to the extent where people are saying something negative back to you, because you're always going to hear positive stuff, but you're doing something wrong if people aren't aren't commenting negatively back at you on the professional level. So to me, it just it implies that you were a great success when you were doing it, which which we know you were. Well, it most likely means you, you didn't have much of an impact or it wasn't memorable, right? Because if it's memorable, it's going to get right. uh, critics and praise. If, if it's forgettable, you know, they don't even comment. So they, that's like, that's the place you don't want to be online. Like if, if, you're, if you're that forgettable, no one's making fun of you, uh, you know, then, you know, that, that's, that, is, that is, believe it or not, the worst place you can be. Yeah, and the point I think you were really making there is that, you know, go run isn't enough. It's, what do I do with that? I'm, I'm one of those people, you may not be one of them, but I'm one of those people who, who eschews the notion of have no regrets. Well, it's a great idea, but the fact is part of life is you're going to have regrets. You're going to miss things. Things are going to happen. You can't let those regrets drive you and you can't dwell on them, but they're part of your life's experience and they're part of what continue to motivate me today, having uh, missed some obvious good opportunities early on or having having not made the best of moments that were available to me. Um, and so those regrets are part of what, what uh, the engine is today. And I think that's some part of what you're saying here. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, another example I'll give, I remember in eighth grade uh, when I was playing basketball and I, I was, I was arguably the worst free throw shooter, like even worse than Shaq. Okay. Like it, that whole <laughs> season, I was like shooting like 30% from the free throw line. And uh, during one game, I got up to the line, and the coach uh, yells at me from the sideline, BJ, relax. Like, I love it. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you, that was going to help me on this free throw? You you telling me to relax? So, again, like, I, I think um, a lot – again, like, we, we, can, we can change some things about ourselves, but there are just some things that uh, we're always going to have to deal with. And that we, we can't really, like, you know, can't really get help with and just, just being honest with it. Like, I know of myself that I am, I get very easily fatigued with interacting with people. So I have to, I just, I, I'm accepting that. I'm not going to try to change that. I'm just going to make sure that when I do interact with people, I give them my best. And then I am appropriately spacing it out enough so that I, I don't enter that fatigue zone, right? So, like, working at a company where I would show up every single day and see the same people is the exact opposite of what I need to be doing. Somebody who's very social and extroverted, that they would thrive in those environments, right? So I'm a big fan of, like, identifying your limitations, accepting them, owning them, uh, and not using them as excuses, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a big part, like, of setting yourself up for success, right? Like, 
if you know going into something that there's no way that you can sustain it, it's you will regret that decision, right? Like it's okay to regret. Like as long as you're regretting it less than you would if you made the other decision. Like, cause there's pros and cons to everything. Like maybe you would have done that. You would have made more money, but you're so much happier and you have such a freedom of schedule that the money that you regret not having now is, uh, isn't as important as the freedom you have to go do whatever you want, whenever you want. Right. So these are things we have to constantly look at. But, you know, an example I will give you is, you know, uh, I was recently offered an opportunity that, uh, I knew I would hate. But that could have made me a lot of money, uh, especially in the long run. We're talking like possibly millions of ec- millions of dollars in equity. And uh, I, I thought it through. I talked to her with my wife. And ultimately what it came down to is I knew I was going to be miserable for the couple of years I'd have to do it. And I wouldn't be able to some afternoons, you know, hang out with my wife and watch TV and in and, and the afternoon in bed, you know, like you start to look at things like what's important to you and, and what, what really matters. And, you know, I'll probably see this company do what I think they'll probably do. And I'll regret probably the, the millions of dollars I could have accessed, but I probably won't regret it as much as being able to be free to make my own decisions daily and not have to see the same people every day. And, um, and again, I think the jury's still out on that. Maybe I will end up regretting that decision. I don't know. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I, I think with any, with any of this stuff, it's so important to know your limitations. And uh, I, I, I think I own them and I, I make fun of them. And uh, I like to be honest with myself in that, you know, I, I can do I can accomplish a lot of things, but there are just some things that I'm not the guy for. And if I pursued them, I, I would just be faking it and at some point, you know. Uh, it would break down because I just don't want to be there. I'm not a, I'm, you know, I'm personally not a big believer. I do it in some instances, um, but mostly not a big believer in looking backward and deciding if I made a good decision today when all the data I had to make a decision was two years earlier. So, you know, uh, for example, this equity position that you could have had that might have made several million dollars that would have destroyed your life in a lot of ways. It would have enhanced it in other ways. But you knew at the time that you made that decision what you were potentially passing up. So I don't think you're going to regret that because you already had all of the information. It was the current lifestyle you have now versus millions later, but the cost was too high. And you know what? I know someone who did the same thing and he doesn't regret any of it. So also I want to comment, uh, just going back to the, hey, run, lose weight and relax. The thing is, it's not that they can't be learned or that the weight can't be lost uh, or that you can't relax, but you can't relax in, in, the, in the moment of intense, competitive, uh, you know, the emotion filled with that moment when you have yet to learn how to relax. So the coach yelling in from the sidelines, hey, relax, it's all good. It's like, huh, how do I do that? Just like when you said, when the guy said, you know, go run, you were thinking, well, what does that mean? How do I do that? We don't know what to do with that. You don't know how to relax when you're in the middle of a game and you've never relaxed before and you're coming to the free throw and you're a 30% shooter. It's something you can learn and, it, and, it's a, and it's a process that you have to go through to get to the point where you learn how to relax under pressure or learn how to lose weight or run or do the things you need to do to get where you need to go. Um, but they don't just happen in the moment and on the spot. Exactly. I mean, the reason that uh, running was not a solution is that my knees hurt and I was fat. That's why running was so hard. So running more was just going to make the problem worse. And you're, you're identifying the whole thing. It's like, that, that's an example of a bad coach and someone doesn't get it, uh, or making bad recommendations by like, Oh, just don't eat as much. Tell, I mean, telling someone who, um, 
or it's, it's like telling an alcoholic, just don't drink as much, drink a little yeah, less. Yeah, this, this, that's insane. It's insane. It's, yeah, it's, it doesn't, once it hits the lips, it's over. So, you know, the, uh, I, I think that's part of like appreciating just how difficult it is to accomplish something of significance, right? Like the amount of time it takes when I, when I talk, like, when I hear that anyone has been pursuing something for 10 years, no matter how successful they are with it, I'm going to give them my time and I'm going to listen. Because if you've been doing the same thing for 10 years, uh, you, you come away with a lot of lessons, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and it's clear you're passionate about it. You have to be because it's been 10 years. So um, the appreciation for the amount of effort day in, day out it's going to take to do anything of significance and for anybody to ever potentially even know your name and how long that's going to take you to achieve that, um, that has to go into it, right? And, and when someone says relax to someone who is a bad free throw shooter in the middle of a game, it work. it's a total lack of appreciation for how long it takes to get good at free throws, right? And a coach is coming at you with all good intentions. He wants to help you, but I think he's miss, he's missing the point. He he hasn't nurtured you. He hasn't taken you under the wing in this particular piece of the game yet and taught you how to relax. And that comes right back to what you do as a coach and a trainer. You got a lot of experience in exactly all these things because he's you went through these things, the weight loss, the, the coach saying relax when there was no context at all for relaxing. You got a lot of experience. And one of the things you did was you – you really saw and realized there was a huge market for boot camp based workouts, which is really a lot of what you do right now, correct? Well, I mean, it was at the time of uh, 2008, right before the whole economy went to hell and housing market crashed. And uh, when that happened, people were looking for, you know, more affordable personal training options. They just couldn't afford the personal training anymore. So boot camps, I was lucky to, to identify that and get in on boot camps. Uh, very early and uh, ended up actually being a business coach for a lot of boot camp owners all over the world and helped them with their training and business systems. But it, it was really just filling uh, that gap and creating a you know personal training experience in, in a group environment uh, with cost savings for everyone and, and obviously a bigger return for us, you know, on the hour. And so, you know, again, a lot of this stuff too is, you know, you got to really, if you want to, do something big. It really is about timing and, and you want to get in as early as you can, you know, like trying to get on YouTube now is like, I, I've had four YouTube channels over the course of my business life, you know, and they have to change as the brand changes and everything else. And I, I'm just starting a new one just because, you know, trying to cover all my social media bases. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm starting another YouTube channel. It, it's, it's like, it's simultaneously depressing and humbling that like, I've got to start this over again. Um, so t timing, timing is like, you know, it's, it's timing. I think in fitness is well, location is very important in fitness too, but it, it's the location, 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 you know, uh, of putting yourself in the best position to succeed. And, you know, uh, especially with, with an industry like fitness that changes, it's so young. So it, it's, it, it's so volatile, you know, and it's constantly changing. So you've got to really identify the trends and, you know, strike while the iron is hot. But also, even while we were working and doing boot camps, we knew that, you know, obviously at some point they would get, you know, overly saturated, which they did. There's like a boot camp every block in America at this point. Um, so we were working on the online stuff and, and, and trying to, you know, streaming stuff and finding ways that we could have something to fall back on if boot camps would fizzle. What was the asylum, the fitness asylum? 
Oh, Venice, Venice Asylum was. Oh, was our, it Asylum? I'm saying Asylum. I've got Asylum here. So it was Asylum. Yeah, it was the Fitness Asylum, and it was you know like on you know celebrating that we got a lot of fitness freaks uh, you know into the program, and they they loved it and all that stuff. And it was just the name of the gym that we ran boot camps out of. But uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You know the the one thing that I, I I knew is that you know Milwaukee, Wisconsin is beer brats. And cheese in the Packers. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you said cheese, but don't. And you said Packers and the combination cheese heads. Exactly, and, and the beauty of Packer games is that you get beer, brats, and cheese simultaneously. <laughs> so, yeah, if I could get people in that area to really take their fitness seriously and buy into it, you know, and pay two hundred bucks a month for a boot camp membership, that. The, the stuff that I was doing would work anywhere else. And that's why when I started doing, like I had the proven systems locally and, and not the ideal spot for fitness. It's not LA, it's not New York, it's not Miami. So when I decided to go online and take the stuff, I knew it already worked. So it was just now finding that audience and, uh, and taking those systems and, and, and reaching a, trying to impact more people. Did stream fit have something to do with this? Yeah, I mean that that was that was my exit from training people. Really, like I I wanted to get every step has been finding a way to impact more people um, and do it with more flexibility and freedom of schedule for my wife and I. And uh, at the time, there were, we were when I launched StreamFit, we were the first streaming fitness company out there. There was nobody else was providing streaming follow along workouts. Uh, we launched end of 2011, early 2012. You know, and and uh, in some ways, I, you know, I raised money from five angel investors uh, to get it off the ground. We had some initial success, but ultimately, I just couldn't scale it, and I, did, I didn't have enough money to do what we needed to do in terms of getting the exposure. And uh, it's just so funny that, like, when I launched DailyBJ.com seven months ago, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's it's the concept of stream, which is you know, streaming uh, workout videos and we put a lot more stuff into it to round it out like meal prep and podcasts and stuff like that. But it was a basically a less costly version. Like with stream that we went all in, like because we were trying to actually end up selling the content to a publishing brand or a streaming provider. That was the exit strategy. And uh, we ended up partnering with men's health, but that partnership went sideways. Um, And at the end of it, I was left with pretty much, I, you know, I, I was unsalaried for most of my time working on the company for four years. Uh, we, we thought it was going to be like our retirement plan. We'd make millions of dollars. In the end, we, had, we burned through our entire savings. I, I was in a very depressed uh, state, probably the third rock bottom moment of my life, to be honest. Uh, this one really hit me hard because it's one thing to lose your own time and money. And I put in so much time. And I mean, like, I was the... Because I was free labor, I was doing most of the workouts. I would film like 10 to 10 to 12 workouts in a given day, follow along. This is not like me showing you how to do a squat and get doing a couple reps. I'm doing the workout and I'm entertaining and like the amount that I put into that company and then the end, like it not working out. Um, that was devastating, but to have to go to five people that gave you their hard earned money, um, and tell them it didn't work out, you know, that will forever have, that, that has scarred me forever. And uh, I'm still recovering from that. But the reality of it was that huge embarrassing failure allowed me to get so much on-camera experience that, you know, at the end of it, uh, Men's Health was looking to 
go more digital and expand their digital blueprint on social media in particular. And they were looking for a fitness director. And I had accumulated the experience to write, to be on camera, to program, to be an expert and a source uh, that's credible for fitness. So all those small, all those failures along the way, uh, you know, they do, they do have a way of preparing you for the next opportunity if you are looking and open to those opportunities that may come. So, um, and then, you know, that job greatly expanded, you know, my, my following and my reach and, and the dailybj.com is, is going extremely well, you know, uh, seven months in way better than stream that was going after four years because now I had a bigger following. And also, you know, it's just, like I said, timing is everything. We may have came in too early because we had to make everything from scratch. We had to develop our own website and platform to stream the videos. Like when we launched dailybj.com, we're talking, 2011 versus, uh, 2017 versus 2011 launching those two different companies. You know, we just bought a camera and we, there's a membership platform where you can stream videos really easily. And there's like no cost to run this business, uh, where we, we were making like three camera shoots and paying people to edit it. Like, you know, I'm doing all the editing. Uh, I do all our podcast stuff. My wife helps me with the infographics and uses customer support. Like, so do I have a regret? I mean, I, I wish the company would have done what it was going to do, but it prepped me for the men's health gig. And then when we launched this new membership site after I left men's health as my next way of making money for the family, uh, we were so many, so much better prepared to start the business in a more sustainable way. So again, like these are just lessons you learn and you got to be patient with it. And, and I, 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 I joked recently on a Instagram live video that I, I had told someone I was like 27, 28, we were in a mastermind group for fitness, like where you, like 12 people that are trying to build their business go and they share secrets and all this stuff. And I told them I was going to retire by the time I was 35 and I turned 35 <laughs> in September of last year. And I, I was really just starting over again. So it's just so funny, man. Like the, the stuff you say along the way and like, it, it's, it's hard. I, I guess one way to look at it too, is if you don't look back on who you were five, 10 years ago and just get very embarrassed, it probably doesn't show that you made a lot of growth. Yeah, right on, right, right on. Not only, not only the, believe me, I, I, every, everything you just said resonates with me. Uh, I, I won't even bother you know, telling you the parallel experiences, but welcome to the club. Been there, done that, know all those feelings. And all I can say is that if you sit on the fence, you don't live life. And if you don't take a risk, you don't succeed. And if you're not willing to fail, you can't succeed. So that's all I have to say about that. I, I just say congratulations on your failures because they led you to where you are right now. And you, uh, you did like 300 plus video workouts during that time, didn't you? Yeah, man. And then I, I was doing DVDs with men's health to help like build my following and get people to come over to stream fit for more workouts after that. And like people just weren't as receptive to it, that concept of, and these were follow along. Like I I don't do follow along stuff anymore. Uh, we just do instructional stuff because it's, it's more, it's easier to fulfill and, uh, you know, it, it doesn't require as much production work, but also I'm, I'm trying to get people to take these resources and do this stuff on their own. And it's more of an empowerment way of doing it. But, you know, it, it was it was just so stressful. I mean, there is not like people don't realize that you're, you're shooting all that stuff at once, you know, um, and uh, the adrenal fatigue and like the, to make them entertaining. I mean, it, it, it's uh and that was actually part of part of what was offered to me. It was going to be uh, that opportunity I passed up on was basically I was going to be a follow along instructor for 
a uh, technology and a fitness equipment platform uh, that, you know, they've exploded. And uh, I'm like, I got to do like eight of those a week in an hour. They're like an hour each and a treadmill's involved. And I'm like, this is going to be a fucking <laughs> nightmare. Like, I mean, just the adrenal fatigue alone, man, like it's a lot. And uh, more power to people that actually enjoy doing that. Hey, that, it ain't my cup of tea, but I, but I hear you on that. Are you still with, are you still doing anything with uh, men's health? No, I'm not. I, I left, uh, they made a change in leadership about a year into me uh, being there that uh, was the exact opposite direction of what I was brought there to do. I was brought there because they were trying to own fitness. And then when they made that change in leadership, they wanted to become a general interest magazine. And so ultimately it just, I, I was at a place that I felt was no longer needing my services. And I also, I really built my following. I was ready to now use that following and, and, and build the brand I've been thinking about, which is the daily DJ, which is just like the lifestyle brand and just sharing, you know, all this experience and knowledge with, with people that uh, I can impact in a real deep way. And in, interestingly enough, the, the day after I left, they announced the company was uh, up for sale and, and they, they were, they've been, purchased by Hearst Publishing and the, the, the whole the whole structure of that company is just going through a lot right now and people are getting let go and it, it's a real scary time uh, to be in that, in that space uh, and I, I don't know hopefully they can find a way to survive but I mean we made a lot of progress though I mean while I was there we I helped them get their Instagram uh, following up to about a, uh, it's almost at a million at this point you know we had uh, so many viral videos on Facebook and we sold a lot of DVDs and, and really we got things going in the right direction. So I left there uh, happy with what we accomplished, but it could have been so much more if the original leadership structure was in place uh, that brought me there. And, but again, like, you know, I got the following I was looking for and now I got a platform that I can really, you know, as opposed to 2011 where it's like, you're doing all this work and then no one's seen it. You know, now people are seeing what I'm doing at least a lot more than they did before. Um, it's a major opportunity and a major springboard in a very well-branded company that had a lot of respect. But, you know, things change and stuff moves on, right? This um, this phrase that I love so much, uh, your body is your bar barbell, is actually a book that you wrote also. Yeah, I wrote a book with Men's Health, uh, and that was on, you know, I was trying to create something that, you know, again, I'd mentioned my, my foundation was not body weight. It was barbell-based stuff, and, and I had wished it was the other way around because a lot of my injuries came from not having a master of my body weight. Like, you know, there's something's wrong when you can bench press close to 400 pounds, but you can't do a pull-up. You know, something's wrong if you can deadlift 500-plus pounds, but you can't do a lunge without painting your knee. So I had all these asymmetries and dysfunctions because uh, the body really is amazing. Like the amount of punishment it can take and the way it will adapt to allow you to keep going is off the charts. But but at some point, right, you know, you will hit that wall. It's just some people will hit it sooner than others. So uh, the whole point of that book is to get people out of that mindset that, you know, I'm, I'm a big home workout guy because I, I believe we know that, that the studies do show this. You have to go more than five minutes away to train. You're not going to be complying with those workouts. 99.9% .9 of people will not be compliant. The amount of extra workouts that I've gotten in over the years because I have a home gym option, like I can go right now from this conversation five steps into my home gym. That that's how you set yourself up for success, right? I mean, you 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 make it convenient, you make you make it accessible, you you eliminate the excuses versus saying, 
you know, the best gym in, in the city is 30 minutes away. <laughs> You're not going to be able to, that's just not going to happen. I agree with you that proximity really makes a difference. I, I relate to that too, especially now. If, if, if it isn't close enough, I'm probably not going to go. Uh, but how do you, how do you motivate that person uh, who has the, you know, the the right proximity, knows they need to, wants to do it, but still can't get motivated? Let's let's move into who who you are now and what you do with the daily BJ, the workouts you offer, the thing. Let's just get all into who you are and how you help people achieve what they what they do. And let's start with that. How do you motivate that person that's got that's got proximity but cannot seem to get it going? You know the. Part of what I've discovered too is I'm not really interested in motivating that person. Like that, that's the thing. Like uh, what I'm interested in reaching people that get it and uh, are just looking for the blueprint, and then they can enact that blueprint. Because I can't motivate that. That's person. powerfully honest. You know, because I mean, and it's I think a lot of people are chasing like are chasing those people. Again, I'm, I'm open to those people. Like I share free information so that in a way that like, you don't have to be involved with what I do and you can still learn and take what you want. But, um, if, if you're, if the question becomes to me, like when someone asks me, like, how do you get motivated? Like I laugh at it. Cause it's like, I, I don't, I just do it. It's not like it is a priority in my life. It's one of the top priorities of my life. It's like brushing my teeth. Um, th- there are a lot of days. It's the last thing I want to do, but I just have to do it. Just like going to work, just like, you know, uh, brushing your teeth. That's a good example because no one likes to do that. It just, it's, it's a habit. It, it's something you form. So uh, a lot of the motivation just comes with, you know, uh, the results you see from the consistent effort um, or the immediate results you see by making, you know, key lifestyle changes. So people have to get to the point where there's enough pain, you know, like, like I did. I guess, unfortunately, I had to get to the point where I looked like that to make a change. Um, and, and, and hopefully like we can keep elevating the knowledge base. It's going to be tough because physical education is gone, you know, in terms of growing up, like it's not, that's not even a thing anymore, really. So, uh, people are now completely un- unequipped to move. Like that never happened before. Like <laughs> we used to get some people in, in boot camps where we'd spend the whole 30 minutes teaching them how to do something. They finally get it. They come back the next session. It was like starting over again. Because they had no movement base. Like, if you don't play as a kid and you don't do activities as a kid, and you, you, you miss that plasticity of movements where your brain can learn things and internalize them for the rest of your life, it is a long, long uphill battle the rest of your life when it comes to movement. So there are a lot of people like that out there. And so from my standpoint, again, like, I'm looking for the motivated people that are looking for a better way. And uh, at the same time, I share my story and I share information because who knows which one of those pieces of information will set that stage for someone who is unmotivated to start looking at it and possibly become motivated. So that switch, if the switch has to be flipped by somebody else, it'll never be sustained success. It has to be an, inter- it's an internal switch. It is within an individual. And I just hope to be there around or, or adjacent to them when that switch happens so I can show them the best way possible. Oh, yeah, it's very interesting. You're not willing to carry anybody. You're you're really in a uh, in a big sense of the word a, a true head coach where you expect your players, your clients to show up at least motivated and ready to rock and roll, but what you're not going to do, I'm not saying you don't throw words of motivation and push them and get them through workouts in your uh in your own way, but you're you're not going to carry anybody. You expect people to show up just like a head coach head coach does and do the job get to work and, and know what they need to do to get where they need to go for themselves. 
well, it's just less painful for everyone involved. Like, you don't want to be here. I don't want you here. <laughs> like, you know, like, it, it, why, why, why are you wasting your money? Why, why am I wasting my time? If, if this isn't for you, that's fine. You know, and, and the, I, there's nothing worse to me than, um, and I used to have clients like this that, that were, were trying to pay their way, uh, you know, by just paying for it. You know, they had the social benefit of saying, oh, I have a trainer. When they didn't want to put in the work and they weren't interested in anything we were working on, they just wanted to talk. And it's like, well, I appreciate that you have the money to spend on this, but like, what are we doing? What is the point? You know, ultimately, I want to have the impact. I'm not interested, you know, in just a member. I'd like a billboard. I'd like that person to be a billboard for what we're doing because they are now forever better off than they were had they not joined the site. You know, and, and to me, the best compliment I can get from someone, I, I just, I say it because we get it on a regular basis and it takes a lot of work to get them is for someone to tell us this is the 10, this is the best $10 I've ever spent. It's, it's, it's well, actually it's nine sixty nine a month. Um, we gave up 30 extra cents per membership to go along with the daily BJ sexual innuendo theme to make it nine sixty nine. <laughs> Just so you know how important this branding is to me over, over profit at 30 cents, by the way, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it adds up when you have a lot of members. But, uh, you know, th- that, that's what I want to provide, uh, is to find a way to make them say that every month. And it's a, definitely a challenge, um, you know, to have to do on a consistent basis. But, I mean, it's important to just be realistic uh, that, you know, I'm not saying that fitness isn't for everyone, but the degree to which it's part of my life clearly isn't for everyone because not everybody's doing it. And and, and again, that's fine. And uh, if you don't want to come at the level that we do at dailybj.com, just take the tips. And, and like just just implementing the, the limiting liquid calories tip could be transformative to someone. You know, maybe they do that and over the course of this year. And then they find out, oh, maybe I'm going to start eating more more uh, meals with protein and produce. And that can make an impact. And you, you see, the thing is, you never know. It could be five years down the road that that person who initially found you actually ends up trying to go, go deeper with you in some way. So, you know, that, that's why it, it's got to be uh, consistently putting stuff out there and just being top of mind. And that really is, that is a tough journey. Hey, and right along everything you just said right there, you've got another great quote that I like, and it's so true. Uh, you say fitness is hard, suck it up. And that's sort of your tagline. How did you land on that? It seems obvious at this point. I mean, I think, I think we can all figure it out right now, but, but lay it on me. How did you, what, what brought you to that tagline? Well, you know, so obviously the, the the big elephant in the room whenever I am in there is, you know, people think my name is Blowjob, right? So I've dealt with it since, you know, since grade school, high school. Uh, it was a disaster in high school. I, I, I had no idea when I first got that nickname in third grade, the implications of, of what would be in high school with that name. And so, again, it's like I always I always reference the Eminem eight mile moment where he, he says, all the, all, you know, says everything bad about him. You know, like, what, what, what are you going to say about me at this point? Uh, so also it's, it's, I like to have fun. We, you know, we, we are, uh, I, I can definitely lean towards the ridiculous side and, and be myself. And um, so if someone's going to join, you know, I, I've had, I've had, I've had members say that they've actually shared text messages with me. And they say that texting their their uh, wife or husband saying that just so you know, like I'm a member of this site. It's a fitness site, um, but it says the dailybg.com. <laughs> they just give them a heads up. 
or I've had people tell me that they're they're going through their finances or taxes with their accountant and they have to explain this nine sixty nine per month daily BJ.com purchase <laughs> to their accountant. You know, so part of what I was looking to do is create something that would, you know, to be honest, turn some people off. Like I I, I had some opportunities uh with companies that liked the work I did while I was at Men's Health, a lot of sponsored campaigns and stuff like that, that kind of turned away from me when I launched this business because they were very conservative, I guess, or, you know, whatever. But ultimately, like, you know, if, if that is an issue for you, you should never work with me because at some point my personality is going to be something that will be a problem for you. So, uh, we're like, and being honest, like part of my job at men's health was to be very vanilla because it, it's a vanilla brand. It's, 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 it's about the user and the reader and how can you get them good information to make them a better man today? That's the, that's the, at least that was the philosophy of the brand when I was growing up and, and when I was first brought there. I, it, it may have changed today, but you know, uh, so I, I was fine with being vanilla at the same time. Like that can take its toll on you. And I wanted to make a business that was about, you know, me just being myself, having fun, helping people and creating a and really sharing who I really am. Uh, it might turn some people off, but in the same way, uh, it can really bring people in. I, I found that it's, it's really brought people closer to me that follow my work because now they truly know who I am. And uh, they uh, so being fit is hard. Suck it up was also playing into the whole blowjob. Yeah. Yep, yep. The funny thing about that, too, is I was thinking I was thinking he knows he knows this is not an accident. He knows the daily BJ is an unusual thing to see out there. It's going to be a head turner. It's going to make you sit up straight and go, huh? The da- the daily BJ, man. So I, I think it's actually pretty smart branding myself and pretty smart marketing. Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's something that you have to tell somebody else about just by nature, like whether it's your bank statements. Or, I love it. Uh, you know, I love it. I can see it right now circuit. doing your taxes, you know, your, your bookkeeper and then your CPA and they're all, they're, they're all looking down in there and looking back up at you and looking at the paper, looking up at you. And finally they say, I got to ask. And, and, and you probably start laughing, go, no, you don't. It's, it's just my business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the, the layers of it go so deep too. Like without getting too graphic, that act is one that some people aren't a huge fan of, but, but you do it. Because the other person appreciates and much like a workout isn't the most fun thing to do at the time, you do it for how you feel or, or what it does for you after the workout. So again, it's just, it's, it, dude, it's so funny. Like the weaknesses you have growing up become such huge assets later in life. If you can own them and, and allow them to be what they are, right? I mean, so it was, it was the bane of my existence having the name BJ in high school. And, and now it allowed me to create a fitness brand that nobody else in the world could create. So, uh, you know, these are the things that, like, if you don't take yourself too seriously and your ego isn't too big, uh, you know, you can be uh, you can be fun and you can also really know what you're doing. You know, I think that's one thing in fitness. Um, I've gotten a lot of heat for over the years for doing ridiculous things and, oh, it's not professional, whatever else. But like, uh, you know, we are human beings. We are three. We can, we can be more than one dimension, you know. Um, it's possible to really know your stuff and be good at what you do and do ridiculous things if that is who you are. So um, there's, there's a, a movement in the fitness space by some people to make trainers like doctors. When, if anybody knows anything about fitness, the only way to really get people motivated is through personality. So if you want to make us like serious, sterile doctors, uh, we're not going to, I mean, obviously, that movement has failed because people are now more overweight than ever. Every year 
they're they're more obese and overweight than ever because we're not doing a good enough job of identifying what really gets people to move, which is people with a certain personality that can connect with someone, whether it's through a screen or in person, to get them to do something that is hard work, that they don't have to do, that they have to carve out extra time in their life to accommodate, that also requires you to look at how you eat, how you sleep. The only way that's going to happen is if you can be entertaining enough, but also educational enough. And that's the combination that I've always been chasing and trying to find the right balance for. It's a tough journey if you think you're just going to be a smart trainer, just going to be a no personality behind you. And it's equally difficult if you just think you're going to be a big personality, but not know what you're going to do. Well, it's critical to, to bring the levity uh, and the personality that you bring to it. Because as you said earlier, fitness sucks. Get over it. You got to do the work. And so I think what you've done is figured out this is hard. Well, you know, you learned it a long time ago. This is hard work. I know it's hard for other people. I'm not necessarily going to carry anyone through here, but for those who show up and do the hard work, I'm going to bring some levity and some personality to this to make it more fun. Absolutely. And that, that is, again, like there, there is a certain amount of, of like, again, it's, it's the right amount of suffering, the right amount of pain, right? That you have to go through if you want, because uh, you got to put a little bit of stress in your body to make a change. And it's, it's teaching them how much stress to do and to impose without overdoing it. And, uh, you know, too little, you don't get the result too much. Uh, you won't get the best result. It's, there is that in between that you're trying to teach people. And I think uh, if you can do it in, in an entertaining way and, and in a way that they don't take themselves so seriously, uh, it really helps. So, BJ, you've got a couple of really cool New Year programs going on right now. You've got Shred and Gains. Tell me about that. And what kind of person shows up to do work with your services? Well, uh the shred style workouts are more fat loss, kind of metabolic conditioning, circuit style workouts, whole body. And the gains are more focused on building muscle through what I call metabolic bodybuilding, which is using uh, lighter weights to achieve a muscle building effect to kind of prevent some of the wear and tear on the joints that a lot of additional muscle building programs will have. So, uh, you know, those, those are the two main type of programs we make on a monthly basis. Uh, right now we're doing what's called the postholidayshred.com, which is a 12-week, uh, three-phase New Year program really designed to kind of lay the foundation for the rest of the year. And, and you know, in a lot of ways, you go back to the basics and uh, the, the, the program, the workout program is integrated with the diet. So on, uh, you know, on, on more intense training days, you have a higher carbohydrate intake. On less intense training days, we, we lower the carbohydrate intake a little bit. And in that way, you can kind of get the best of both worlds, you know, building muscle and burning fat and so uh, the type of person that comes and does it, I mean, think about it. They, they, are, they are at the higher end of the fitness consumer standpoint because, you know, it's not follow-along. So uh, it's an instructional video. I'll show them what to do. They get PDFs outlining the workouts. Um, you know, we do podcasts answering questions. They get meal prep videos and stuff like that. But, you know, they've got to do the work. So uh, that's my ideal person, like someone willing to do the work uh, that is – like thirsty to learn and because uh, we're giving them all these materials and, and they soak it up. So uh, just, just by that fact, like that someone has to do this on their own, the success rate is going to go through the roof, right? Because they don't need me there. They're, they just need the workouts, right? Whereas like a personal training client, if you weren't like, they literally need someone standing, looking in their face to do, to do their daily workouts. That's the level of motivation, right? So these are more, uh, intrinsically motivated individuals, uh, and I create the workouts so you can do them at home or you can take them to the gym. But again, you know, like we're doing mostly 
body weight dumbbells. If you have a pull-up bar that you can put into your door, that's great at home. Um, but very minimal equipment and just showing them how they can get great results without the frills of a gym. Uh, not that I'm anti-gym, but, you know, again, I think people think something magical happens in a gym setting. Uh, when in reality, uh, whatever training tool you use, all your body knows is time and tension. And you can create that tension with your body weight, with a pair of dumbbells. Of course, you could use barbells. But again, like we, we talked in the beginning, like if it's not sustainable, it's questionable, right? So how many people can like that travel will find access to a barbell? Very rarely, unless you, you, go, to a, you go to a gym or you pay for a gym membership or something while you're traveling. In most cases, you know, I, I go to the foundational pieces of equipment that anybody can use that you can take with you, you know, like a resistance band, a mini band, you know, most hotel gyms will have a pair of dumbbells or an adjustable bench, you know? Um, so I, I try to teach people how to use the most basic equipment possible and get results from that so that they, they can get out of the mindset that they need an expensive trainer or they need an expensive gym or, you know, machines or whatever else to get results. And that way when they travel or when busier times come up, they, they don't just stop training because they lost the, the equipment access or the trainer. They've internalized what it takes to get in a good quality general fitness style workout. The other thing that's really great about how you do it, and I recommend, is that um, the amount of time it takes to just prepare to get out the door, drive to the gym, and and get ready to do a workout, and then drive back home, your workout is done or or close to done. The time you save is amazing. No, like I said, I, I don't, I don't think people fully appreciate the how much of a game changer it is to just set up a basic home gym. I just shared on Instagram an infographic of a basic home gym and a premium home gym setup, and like these are very small investments. Like in the most basic level, we're talking, you know, a mini band, one continuously loop resistance band, uh, one lighter and then one heavier pair of dumbbells, uh, maybe a kettlebell. Uh, an adjustable aerobic set with risers or a box or a, a small bench, but you can even modify with like a couch, a chair, an ottoman. Like it is so minimal to get started. And the amount of workouts you can do with just that. And then, then you start looking at maybe adding a TRX or a pull-up bar, or a dip bar. Again, stuff that is easily stored and put in a home gym setting. Like it is such a game changer. I don't know almost everyone that I know that is super fit has some sort of home gym option to fall back on, especially like these winter months. Like if you're in a northern climate, going to a gym not only involves driving there, but you've got to put on all your jackets and, you know, uh, shovel or clean the car, warm it up. Like we're talking about like huge chunks of time you're not factoring in that, you know, are going to make it more and more of a pain to go train. So um, I just I can't emphasize enough how important it is. To, to just set it up and you don't need the thousand plus dollar treadmills or you need any of that chair fireplace hearth you know uh, uh you need so little exactly and that that's like i think the power i think a lot of people see it as not as valuable if you don't have access to using really cool stuff the value is in finding the most cost effective measures uh that provide the convenience to be compliant with your plan like that. That's what's difficult. Like it, it takes no skill for some, for someone to design a great workout in a traditional gym, right? Because there's so many options. You just put them on 10 machines and, and have them circuit through them a minute each and they'll get a great workout. 
But it is a super challenging thing to tell someone in a six by six foot space with a pair of dumbbells, I'm going to change your life and I'm going to do it on a daily basis. Like that, that, that's what takes skill. So, um, you, it might seem like less frills, less value, but in reality, uh, you have to really like to, to make these programs monthly. Uh, you've got to really know your, your stuff and not just, you know, make things easier, harder by increasing or decreasing weight. There's all these variables that you look at, like tempo, range of motion, uh, exercise order and sequence, you know, um, you know, particular training tool you're using. Like there, there's so many ways in which you can manipulate the variables to keep getting results. And that's what I like to teach people because again, like it's, it's a, it's a lifelong journey of still like, like the same moves always keep appearing, right? Like these moves that, that, that always work, but just the right tweaks, uh, allow you to keep seeing the benefits and, and keep seeing the gains. You've got, uh, versions here too. You've got, uh, version one, for example, shred 1.0 and then 2.0 and 3.0. What, what do I expect in each of these? Uh, I think each subsequent one is designed to melt your face off even more. <laughs> I mean, really, Really what they are, like, they're, they're all kind of interchangeable in that sense. Like, the, uh, the 12-week post-holiday shred is, now that's a more comprehensive structured program. But, again, like, one thing that I embrace too, right, like, we just we just came off of a, a lower-intensity month. It was called the 12 Days of Fitness, and all the only objective I gave to everyone, because I knew, it, like, they're busy, they're traveling, they're stressed, they're, they're due for vacations, whatever – uh, let's not put too much stress on ourselves with like a super aggressive muscle building or fat loss program. Let's just have a compliance goal. Let's just hit 12 of 12 workouts. That was, that was all they had to do. And the workouts could be as short as 10 minutes or they could be as long as, you know, 45. And that was up to them. And that, that was all they had to worry about in December. So, uh, it's important to know that there are times of year where you have, you have more attention out of people and you can push them harder. And there are times of year where maintenance is okay. Like not every month has to be like the GI Joe training program, you know, like there, there's for a lot of people, that was the first month they've ever had where they haven't gained weight during the holidays. That to me is even more of a success than the, you know, getting shredded in a 12 week program because, you know, you're now equipped to handle the most inconvenient of times for a fitness plan, which is, you know, eggnog, fucking eggnog. The most, there was a point in my life where, about 80% of my body was, was eggnog, egg not water, not. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- those are the strategies that, you know, I, I find to be the most important to teach. Cause again, if I can help you get through the hardest times, it's, it's easy when it, when, when things are going well, right. And it's, it's sunny and you're feeling good, you know, and you've got incentive to take your shirt off. Uh, when you're wearing sweats and it's a zero degrees outside and all you've got to lean on are candy canes and eggnog and holiday treats, you know, getting someone through that, you know, that's the challenge. You know, you have to have a strong body. And um, we hear a lot of talk about core, but I know that people really understand how critical it is to have a really solid core because so much of everything you do revolves around core, legs, core. Um, I think personally, I think of my upper body as the last thing I need to be concerned about. I work from the ground up, legs, core, uh, upper body. But that that's my routine based on my own thing here. And you've got a program here I love here called 28 Day Soar to the Core Program. Tell us about that. I love that name and I love what it implies. Well, you know, if I may, if I will be completely honest, I hate core training. I hate ab exercises. I've never, I've never liked 
the feeling of my abs burning. Part of that is my insecurities of having a belly. Well, 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 hang on a second. We, we've already agreed that exercise sucks. Get over it. Just do it, right? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, at the same time, like, you gotta, you got to have some fun, too, and you got to do the stuff you enjoy. So, like, for, for me, most of my core training just comes in selecting movements that are inherently more core intensive. Like, when, I, when you do front-loaded squatting, you automatically turn the abdominals on. When you do things like pull-ups – uh, and push-ups and overhead presses, the core engagement is off the charts. So, um, you know, carries, uh, you know, th- those programs are designed more as like part of it too, right? Once you develop a certain level of core stability, it's much easier to maintain. Like you don't have to always, you know, do your, your planks as often as you originally did because once you establish that, um, and especially when you're doing exercises that call upon the core on a regular basis, uh, so those programs are mainly designed, you know, basic planking, bridging, uh, all the foundational moves that you want to look at in terms of proper core training to stabilize the spine and get you ready uh, and to the point where, you know, you can not have to do as much, frankly, of that core training. Because in terms of like what people are looking for from their core training, they want abs. Like in, in all honesty, like ab work has very little impact on how your abs look. It's about reducing body fat and, and actually building as much muscle everywhere else so that you use more fat for fuel and end up seeing more of the abdominals you already have. You know, that's that's something that needs emphasizing. I, I, I had my very first discussion as a young guy about what you just said. Ab work has very little to do with what makes your abs look good. It's all about you get it. In other words, you can have the best abs in the world, but if you don't have weight loss, if you don't have the right body fat ratio, they're not going to show, so it doesn't make a difference. One of the things I love about this program, too, is that you've got cheat sheets and you offer a couple of workouts. They're short. They're only five or, or three or four minutes long. And I, another thing that's really great about this, personally, that I think is that there's only so much you need to do. There doesn't need to be a 30-minute workout here. They only need You only need to demonstrate three, two, three, four really good movements and, and then repeat those, and you give an A and a B workout in this case. And as I said a second ago, this cheat sheet. What is the cheat sheet? Uh, those are just uh, quick outlines of the workouts that they can take with them or screenshot after I, you know, demonstrate uh, the actual movements in the videos themselves. And again, yeah, I, I think everything that I try to do comes down to minimum effective dose. Like in most cases, you get most of the benefits of a set. Uh, I'm sorry, the most of the benefits from an exercise in the first set. Then the second set kind of gets you almost all of the remaining benefits. By the time you get to the third, you're chasing maybe that last 5%. Anything after that, like now we're talking potentially diminishing returns uh, or impaired recovery. Not that sometimes you don't want to do five sets. What I'm saying is, you know, people think that they have to do hundreds and hundreds of reps or, you know, 10 plus sets per body part when if you are using the appropriate loads, you can get a great training effect with two sets. Maybe not including a warm-up, but like two actual training sets. And again, what that sets the stage for is a more frequent dose of the exercise, uh, which research shows for those not using drugs, uh, frequency is a better indication of, of muscle growth than just hammering your body as hard as you can once a week. You're, you're better suited training that area two to three times a week in a smaller dose that you can recover from uh, than just destroying it once a week and not being able to move that part until the following week. Now, you're big on foundational training. What is foundational training, and what are the foundation pieces that you like to do? 
Well, I think it all starts with mobility, right? Like the, you know, if you can't move through a pain-free range of motion, nothing else that there's nothing to talk about at this point, right? Like why are we even bothering talking about adding load to this? And that's why I think body weight stuff is so important. Like, so, you know, there, there are key patterns of exercise, you know, uh, squatting, pushing, pulling, hinging, lunging, and uh, the mobility work you do should be designed to get your body to properly move through those ranges of motion without pain. And then once you can do that, now we can start adding things like intensity or load or volume to that. And, and that's where the muscle can come. But so to me, uh, trying to build muscle without mobility is the biggest mistake you can make. You will get injured and you will not have longevity. And ultimately, uh, you know, that, that's what fitness is all about is longevity. So it should be in a foundation of mobility. And we have, you know, a theme that we call hashtag Netflix and stretch, which is, you know, just, just trying to find the five or 10 minutes at night while you're watching TV or Netflixing just to do some high priority mobility work that just has a big impact on recovery and movement skill and all that stuff. Really important to have foundation. Um, you know, without it, you can't you can't get to whatever the next level is, and to get there with a good coach. Let me ask you a, a few questions here about yourself. Here, what do you think is your biggest your your biggest weakness, and what would you uh, what do you think your biggest strength is, and what would you attribute each of those to? Man, I, I can probably be more helpful with the weaknesses. <laughs> I I can be indecisive a lot with regards to choosing what I want to do because I'd like to make the perfect programs because I really care. Like I, I, That's I want clear. people to we, say, we can hear you're competitive, you're intense, you're passionate, really clear that you're a guy who loves what he's doing, really wants to help people. Exactly. So with that, like, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in what I'm doing and I can a lot of times overthink things and, uh, you know, th- that can be an issue for sure. Uh, definitely one of them is just being very fatigued by people. I'm more of a dog person, frankly. So uh, that that limits my ability to uh, – it means I have to really hone my message so that I can deliver it um, from a distance. But I, I've managed to be able to get better at that over the years. But, I mean, that is a weakness. I mean, that's something where um, – I mean, I knew the men's health gig was, was going to be just a year or two going in. Uh, but, but working there solidified the fact that I, I just can't go into a place every single day and see the same people. Uh, that, that's a weakness. Like, you know, that's something that most of us uh, are able to do without a problem and, uh, and need to do so to actually pursue our careers. And, and luckily, I found a way to do it, uh, found a path that has allowed me to be able to do that without that. Even though, again, like I, even then I had to have a short term bout uh, at, at a company to get the following I was looking for. So um, th- that's a definite weakness. I don't like feedback. I don't take feedback very well. <laughs> That's great. Especially unsolicited. I, I tend to know I've accumulated a pretty good network over the years, and I know the right people to go to if I, am I looking for advice. Um, and I'll ask it, like, I, without a doubt. Like, I, I, I go to people that are smarter than me on certain topics for sure, but I, I do not like when people give me unsolicited advice. It's one of my it's one of the easiest ways to get blocked. <laughs> Very funny. Tell me, what is it? What is it about that that bothers you? Why don't you just? I'm curious. Why don't you just shake it off and ignore it, smile, move on? Because it's like it's insulting in a lot of ways. Like, because people think they're they're telling you something you haven't previously thought of. Like, you you don't think that I thought that we might want to do that? Like, <laughs> that's stupid that that hadn't that hadn't crossed my mind. You know, like. Honestly, honestly, God, man, I've never had someone give me feedback that we had not previously thought about. 
it just isn't implemented right now for whatever reason. Cost, uh, lack of technology, uh, purposefully because we don't want to do it. But like, you know, give, give me the benefit of the doubt that I've at least thought about it. Um, and again, like, again, this is, these are flaws. I'm not saying this is something that you should raise a child, uh, to embody. It's just, uh, probably a lot of it is because my dad was, uh, very, he'd go on monologues, you know, and, and my dad would always give unsolicited advice and, and a lot of, a lot of ways he'd be giving advice that he was not, he had no expertise on, like he wasn't a credible person to get that advice from. So it, it just, you know, these associations become turnoffs later in life. But to my credit, both my wife and I are the same way. We, we just are very independent. We've always done things on our own. And we always think deeply before we enact something. So, uh, like, and, and we do so so that we don't need to get the feedback. So everything is taken care of. Um, so, yeah, feedback really, uh, I mean, that really just drives me crazy. That, 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 that does not work. So everybody, you know, don't. Don't comment. Just do. Just do. Uh, when you're taking his courses here at his site here. So what's your greatest strength, your passion, your commitment, your energy, your love of helping people? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think I'm not sure if there's the greatest one. I, I just think I guess if there is one, it's just probably consistency. I'm still here. I mean, I think that's that's a big one. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, this past year, I felt like I, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, you know, it's, it's, it was a restart in a lot of ways. And I, a lot of things that I thought worked were, haven't worked as well as they had in the past. So, you know, I, I go through phases where, um, and they usually they're, they're periods of great growth where like, I, I end up feeling like I, I previously thought I knew a lot. And then all of a sudden I feel like I know nothing again. And, and, and I really start digging deep and researching and, and, uh, you know, trying to reinvent how I approach the way I deliver content and, kind of going through that phase right now, to be honest. And, um, you know, I, I think if anything, it's, it's created a really good program for the new year because uh, I've changed some things and always trying to evolve. So, I mean, I think consistency is, is one of them for sure. And, you know, a, a willingness to, to do things that probably others are not, though I, I have to, it's harder now that when I was at Men's Health, it was easier to to do some more fun stuff because I had a whole video team that would edit and, and, and put it together. And, and now it's just my wife and I. And so uh, I've, I've got to remind myself, you know, a lot of the reason, reason people follow me is not for the fitness stuff. It's for the occasional fun stuff that I do that, that they get a laugh from. And just to remind myself that I got to keep it fun um, versus just giving great content. It's, it's, it's almost an impossible balance to find. I'm, I'm trying to find it every day. Outside of uh, your wife, who impresses you? I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I've never really tried to model anyone. So the uh, and, I, and I say that just because, like, again, I, I just I've always liked to do my own thing. So it always comes down to I just do what I want to do. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I definitely I mean, I, there's a lot of other trainers that I, I follow and, and and look at. And, I, and there's other business people I follow and stuff like that. But there's no one that. I mean, and a lot of them do impressive things, but not like to the point where I'm like, I want to be like them, if I'm being honest. Um, because in a lot of ways, what they're doing is not congruent with the lifestyle that I like. You know, um, I like to be able to wake up around nine o'clock in the morning. A lot of these people think you have to wake up at four thirty in the morning to have success. That somehow something magical happens in those hours when it's dark. <laughs> you know, and some people live by that. And to me, it's like, as long as I'm getting what I need to get done today, uh, we're, we're moving in the right direction. So I, 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 
will probably that will be the one answer I, I guess I'll pass. So on. you're a quarter horse, really, with blinders on, just running your race. You're not really much paying attention to what's on the left or right. You're doing your thing and you're just going your way. Yeah, I mean, I get very. De- I mean, when I get depressed when I when I try to compare myself to other people, or like it just it gets me off course of what our objective is. And again, because what they're trying to get out of what they're doing is again even. Ultimately, you want to get a following and all this other stuff, and you want to make money to, to pay the bills and all that stuff. But you know, everybody approaches it in, in a unique way, and and I, I, seeing what other people are doing in a lot of ways just gets me away from what uh, I know I need to be doing, what I actually want to do. So I, I don't really find much motivation in that. If anything, it, it actually it, it's I find it discouraging when I when I look at other people and what they're doing. As, as funny as that may sound, it's very interesting. I think the upside of what you're saying is that it keeps you really focused on what you're doing and keeping you on track. And a lot of times people lose focus because they do compare. And I think it's all right to look left and right, see what people are doing. Uh, maybe there's something you can you know, one can learn from what they're doing, but it's really critical to stay on track. And if you're one of those folks that might fall off the rails because someone's doing something you wish you could, you're going you're gonna to miss the point and you're going to miss your opportunity. And it's about your opportunity, not not someone else's. Well, yeah, I mean, because really it's about your own growth. I, I could go online right now, I said this many times, and find, you know, hundreds of people, like within a couple minutes that are better looking, stronger, fitter, richer, whatever. And that, that can immediately throw me off my game when in reality I only need to be focusing on you know, who I am today versus who I was, you know, one, two, three, five years ago and, and focus on that progress. Um, so yeah, again, everybody's different. And, you know, I know some people like to follow the social media gurus and, you know, these success machines. And to me, it's like, I just find that very depressing because ultimately, um, I think once you achieve, achieve a certain level of success in whatever space you're in, you know, that there's a certain level of, you know, bullshit that goes on when you're selling something, you know, like, you know, and it's part of the gig and everybody has to do a little bit of it. But um, I, the level of douchebaggery that I see in, in this space, I find very off-putting. And I just, I try to stay away from it because it gets me very negative. Like sometimes I'll come in to my wife and I'll say, look at this fucking guy. And, 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 and my whole day can be ruined just by looking at their message. And I'm like, you know what? I, I just... What a distraction. I waste too much breath in this person. I'm just going to focus on what we're doing. Very good, man. That's honest, very honest, very transparent. I appreciate that. I know everyone listening will too. A little bit of levity here for a minute. What's the strangest question a a follower or a client has ever asked you? Um, I recently, someone asked me for some exercises to improve sex power. That was uh, an interesting one. Um, I found, I I mean, like, honestly, like, if you can do a body weight hip thrust, you've got enough sex power to procreate unless you're trying to absolutely destroy someone. So um, that was a really stupid. I mean, I, the number of stupid questions, here's one thing that like, I think it was my, my, like my generation millennials, we were told that there's no stupid questions and there are some really stupid fucking questions. So I, I get them. I get five to 10 of them a day. Really, it's they revolve around you know the level of just being so confused about what it means to be fit and everything else. Uh, that, that sex power one is is a pretty big one. Oh, it's a great one. I love that. I, I don't even know what that yeah. means. That, that that's just <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's what I said. I didn't, I didn't even know it was the thing. <laughs> that's a great one. I love it. Um, let me ask you a couple more questions here, and we'll get you out of here because uh, you've been really really gracious with your time. You're busy and you're you're I, making things happen. 
Uh, all right, so let, let's. You've been gracious with your time. We got to let you go. You've got stuff going on here. I want to end with one question here. Just give me a an answer to the question. What I learned from that. What experience. What thing. What what happened in your life that was epiphanal for you that you learned something really huge from. If I look back at all the rock bottom moments uh, that we talked about over the course of the show, the biggest thing I have learned is that. Um, at least for myself, uh, fitness has allowed me to battle through all those issues because something magical happens when you take care of yourself. You become a better person for yourself and the people around you. You've got more more energy. You've got more focus. And uh, it just sets the tone for the entire day. So uh, whenever I've been down, I've been against the ropes. I've managed to fight my way out of that corner uh, through fitness in some way. And it'll be something that I think will hopefully guide me the rest of my life. And again, I think people have to find, you know, if it's not fitness for you, you got to find whatever it is for you that you can lean on during tough times to help you get through it and stay the course. All right, great. Listen, BJ, thanks so much for taking the time. TheDailyBJ.com. Everybody's go, got to go there, check it out, give it a look. You've been great, transparent, honest. I love your seriousness and your levity. You're, you're an interesting guy. You're a complex guy. And uh, everyone's going to love you. Thanks so much for taking the time. And I appreciate you coming today. My pleasure, Craig. Have a great one, and Happy New Year, everyone. Hey, you too now. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye.